Welcome to another episode of Bible Conversations. This is Chris and Dylan, and uh, we're excited to bring you just another episode here. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about consistency. All right, well, let's talk about this, Dylan. So the idea of consistency. So I kind of want to start... You know, I'm sure you can relate to it with baseball, oh, right? yeah. with with batting averages, with you know on base percentage, with all that stuff. But I come from, not that I don't understand that, but I come from a <laughs> tennis background uh, predominantly. And so when you talk about tennis, you know, you've got to make your serve. You get two chances: first and second serve. You make your first one, your first serve percentage. If it's seventy to eighty percent, you're winning like all of your games, all of your service mm-hmm. games, basically. Uh, if your second serve percentage or your double fault percentage is really high, you're probably losing the match. Like that's just how that works. And so the idea of consistency, being able to make the ball in the court and not just on the serve, but with every shot is vital. Yeah. Uh, and, and consistency is defined not so much as just making the ball, but as making the ball in a location over and over, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, with, with baseball, like a consistent hitter, right, might be able to hit a ball down the third baseline over and over and over. An inconsistent hitter might be able to hit the ball, but it might go down the first baseline, right to shortstop, you know, might go into the, you know, left field, be a pop out, right? Like whatever the case may be, but it would be, that would be an inconsistent hitter. But a consistent hitter, right? Like a consistent player is going to be able to hit it in the same spot every time. So how does this relate to spiritual matters? How does this relate to our spiritual lives? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's with any sport that you can talk about. If a team's doing good or an individual's doing good, the response is, can they do that consistently. Can yes. they keep it up? And yeah. and I think when we approach this topic, there's not going to be anybody in the world that will say, "Oh, well consistency doesn't matter." You know, when I hope we not. <laughs> when we say we want to talk about being consistent, mm-hmm. there's nobody that's going to be like, ah, that, "That's, you know, that doesn't matter in my life." Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that we really should be consistent. Yeah. It's just a matter of doing it. It's, exactly. It's a matter of getting it done. Exactly. <laughs> Get her done. <laughs> <laughs> so as as we look at this idea of consistency with regards to the the spiritual matters and uh, our 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 spiritual lives, I think it's very important that we're consistent with one how we worship, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that's absolutely essential. Absolutely, we're consistent with how we treat others. Yeah, uh, we're consistent with the things we say. We're consistent with the things that we do, and ultimately, we're consistent. And we'll get to this at the end. I I believe I hope that we're consistent with our lives because Jesus is consistent. And because God is consistent, because they are everlasting, they are the same. And so, well, everything um, you just mentioned, the things that we say, what we do, our worship, the way we treat people, that is our lives. Yes. And so saying we've got to be consistent in in our lives, that's the blanket statement that hopefully we can tackle today. Yes. Um, But the smaller parts of that, are you consistent in this part of your life Mm -hmm. and, and in that part? And so that's, that's where it gets a little bit more hairy because people will say, I'm consistent and, Yet there's there's parts of of our lives that yes. we could be more consistent in. Yeah. Well, and so let's let's talk about this. Let's say Sunday Sunday evening after yeah. or afternoon, I guess after worship, you go to a restaurant, and you know I've I've heard it said that most waiters and waitresses they they believe that the worst crowd is the Sunday afternoon crowd. Really? I haven't heard that. I've heard that before. Wow. I've heard I've heard it from waitresses. The worst crowd is the Sunday afternoon crowd because they come out of their worship service and they go to lunch and they demand all these things. They don't leave a good tip. And so they hear a sermon on love. They hear a sermon on kindness. They hear a sermon on joy, on whatever the case may be, right? And then they go out and they don't practice that. And I think that is hypocritical. 
Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, We also, you know, your generation specifically, but also kind of mine. Gen Z, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But also also the millennial generation, right? Yeah. The the idea of not going to church because it's hypocritical. Hmm. It's a very real thing. It's hypocritical in of itself, I guess. (laughs) In in a sense, yeah. But I think that's also a misunderstanding of why you go to church, right? So. So people are choosing not to go to church because they see the church as being hypocritical. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal, right? Now, are the people in the church hypocritical? Yes. Of course, because we're people. We are make the people mistakes. in the world hypocritical? Yes. Of course. Right? <laughs> that's that's the thing. If, you, if you're living and breathing and you're a person, you're going to be hypocritical in some part of your life. Yeah. But the goal is not to necessarily – the goal is to completely get rid of it, the yeah. hypocrisy. But the reality is – is we have to get rid of as much of it as we can. We have to strive yeah. to be consistent with everything. And so the reality is, is that Sunday afternoon crowds at, at w- restaurants, waiters and waitresses should love it mm-hmm. because they know they're going to get a good tip. They're going to have somebody who's giving. They're right? going to have somebody who's smiling and yep. loving and joyful because why wouldn't you be joyful after you just got to worship the creator of the universe? Exactly. I mean. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that's always struck out to me stuck out to me when I heard about it. Um, and I, I've made an effort every time I'm in a restaurant, doubly so, hmm. to just be kind and generous and, and loving and, you know, leave a good tip and all of those things. Even if the waiter or waitress is not doing as well as they could, right? It was first day on the job, wherever the case may be, just give them some encouragement. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, let's let's kind of tie this back in here because – as we talk about waiters and waitresses, right, that's in, in the society that we live in, right? That's kind of like the lower rung of of, of work, yeah. right? Um, now, now, is it really? No, but that's – it's considered <laughs> it's to be so. It's seen that way, yeah, yeah. It's seen that way. Well, and if we have this big shot business guy, right, or big shot businesswoman or whoever the case may be, they come in and, you know, they're, they're worth tons of money. How do we treat them? Or – well, hopefully not any different. Hopefully but. not any different. And that's and that's the point, right? Yeah. Typically we do. Typically we see somebody with a really nice car and a really nice watch and, you know, hundred dollar bills falling out of their wallets and we're like, Oh, oh, let me uh, let me help you with that. Let me let me do something for you and, and yeah. we, we cater to them. Well, even even compared to church. Uh, a worship service mm-hmm. or their Sunday morning, yeah. greeting folks as they come in. Mm-hmm. You got somebody that walks in covered in tattoos. With yep. messy hair and torn clothes. Yeah. And you have somebody that walks in in a very nice, clean-looking silk suit. And who would you be more comfortable going up to talk to? Yeah. That's and, fair. And, I mean, while it's true, a lot of us would say, well, I'd be more comfortable. That doesn't mean that I favor the person in the silk suit. Well, yeah, it, it kind of does. Because yeah. by you saying I'd be more comfortable, that's, that's saying I – consider that person in the silk suit higher value than I do the person in the torn clothes. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that's a very important distinction for a lot of reasons because we are not to judge anybody Mm -hmm. based on their outward appearance, right? I I actually heard a, or I guess I read an article once about a a preacher who going in, it was his first day at this church. Nobody's ever seen him before, right? And Goes in, probably before PowerPoint when they plastered the preacher's face on the on the very, screen. Very much probably so. <laughs> yeah, and so he goes in and um, and he actually dresses up as a homeless guy. Uh, so he, you know, his, his hair's all disheveled. He's wearing some rags, tattered clothes, and he walks in and nobody greets him. Goes in through the lobby, through into the auditorium, whatever the case may be. Nobody says hi to him. He sits in the back, 
And, you know, the elder comes up and all right, says, all right, well, we're going to have uh, our preacher come up and preach us, preach us the word of God. And this man stands up and he walks to the front and says, since I've been here, not a single one of you has opened up your hearts to me, has said anything to me, simply because of the way that I look. Go home and figure it out. And that was a sermon, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we get that idea from a couple different places in the Bible. So I, I want us first to turn to Leviticus chapter 19. All right. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. Uh, I'm actually going to be preaching on this uh, here this, this upcoming Sunday evening, uh, at least in part. But um, Leviticus 19, 15 says this, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. And so let's move over now to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I was say Leviticus makes it pretty plain. <laughs> Leviticus makes it very plain, right? And James chapter 2 makes it even more so in my mind. Mm-hmm. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or or sit, sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor men. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? This idea that you know, we're going to treat somebody different because of how they dress and how they look is is so real. You know, And it's not so yeah. much even that they look poor, but if somebody looks different. Right, we talk about you know I I teach the kids in you know, Sundays and Wednesdays, high school and middle school, and you know some of them are, in fact, all of them are different from all of them. They're yeah. all different, right? They dress differently. They have different interests. Yeah, but they shouldn't treat anybody differently simply because of how they dress or what they look like or any of the any of those things, right? Yeah. Um, and so you know this this even really goes. We don't we're not necessarily going to get into that today, but it really goes into the idea of race, right? This color, the color of your skin has should have absolutely no bearing on how we treat somebody. Absolutely. Uh, we have well, to be consistent with that. I think the, the sticking point with this one is in verse 9 and 10. It says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. But whoever for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. Yeah. If you show any kind of partiality, it's sin, mm-hmm. and you're no better than someone who's gone out and murdered. You're, and and that, I mean that's that's said with all sin, obviously. Yep. Whether or not you lie, whether or not you you know fill in the blank with any kind of sin that can separate you from God, but showing partiality is part of that. And if mm-hmm. you if you do that without without a, a conscience essentially yeah then you're guilty of every kind of sin mm-hmm. and i think that's where we really really have missed the mark because it's a well i'll try not to show partiality but man and you know in in my heart 
I, I really wish I didn't have to. Yes. <laughs> well, you got to knock that attitude off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it does. It starts in the heart. Yeah. Right. It starts in the heart. Uh, I, I forget where it is. I want to say it's in the Proverbs, maybe in the Psalms, but the idea also might be Jeremiah. Like I said, <laughs> I don't remember where it is, but the heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it is. It is Jeremiah. That's right. It is Jeremiah. Um, you know, the, the idea that just because we think something or want something or whatever the case may be means it's right. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we may want to treat somebody really bad, but that doesn't mean that we should. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, then you've got the idea of repaying evil for evil, right? Or, um, you know, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, that type of uh, ideal. You know, Jesus says to love your, love your enemies. Yeah. Right? Love your neighbors, love your enemies. All of, all of that is true. We're to love everybody. And so I really think this idea of consistency, specifically with regards to how we treat people, is so crucial to the idea of being a Christian. Because if we're unable to treat our brothers and sisters regardless of what they look like, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their clothes, regardless of how they talk, regardless of what their interests are, regardless, if we are able to treat them with the same love that Christ has treated us, we're doing okay. Yeah. Well, that we're doing what, what we've been asked to do, what, what we've been commanded to do Yes. Um, as followers of, of God. Now, I want to transition here real quick because we've yeah. talked about being consistent in the way we treat people. But also, like we said, there's a lot of parts to being consistent. Mm-hmm. And the the one I want to look at now is in our words. Are, okay. are we consistent in the way we talk? So um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Okay. Um, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is essentially preaching on almost every topic that you can think of that <laughs> that pertains to the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, in verse 33 of Matthew 5, um, he talks about the way that we should be talking, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll go ahead and read, starting in verse 33. It says, Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, so Jesus, he does this throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard it said, but I say, Jesus continually raises the bar for us. And he says in verse 34, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, um, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. And do not take an oath by by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simp- simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So here Jesus is specifically talking about, you know, don't swear upon this or upon that. Just simply let your word be good enough. If, if I tell tell someone I'm going to do this, you have my word. Yeah. That, that that should, should be, be good enough. enough. Yeah, but for, for any Christian. Mm-hmm. Simply let your yes be yes and your, your no be no. But I think the bigger picture that we see here is to to be consistent also in what we do. Because if Chris, I tell you, I'm going to do something and I don't do something the next time I say, Hey, I give you my word. I'm going to do that. My word is broken. Yeah. My word means nothing to you now. Mm -hmm. And so the bigger picture is we have to be consistent in what we do and and what we say. Yeah. Um, if don't say something, unless you're going to do it, don't, don't promise this or that and, and say yes or no to anything. Unless you are committed to that. Yeah. That's part of being consistent in our words. Yeah. Well, and so James chapter 5, 
verses, really verse 12 talks about that as well. Mm -hmm. Reiterates exactly what Jesus said. Yep. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, Mm -hmm. so that you may not fall under condemnation. Yep. So this idea of consistency is is vital. It's absolutely vital. Um, So not just with how we treat people, not just in the things that we say, but also in our worship. Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 14, Starting in verse 26, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, or a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only one or two at most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. And all of this, right, all of this really is talking about the idea of, of having an orderly form of worship. Yeah, not just... Getting up and and doing what you want, confusing people. (laughs) Exactly. Not having like five different preachers come up to preach, not having 17 song leaders trying to lead 17 different songs, right? But having an orderly form. Now, does it mean it needs to happen in the same exact way every single time? Not necessarily, but it does need to happen in such a way that it's orderly, that it is glorifying God, and also that we are worshiping God consistently. And the big point with that one as well is anything other than that, becomes a distraction to those who are there for the sole purpose to worship God. And if yeah. you are doing something that distracts someone from worshiping God, then, well, number one, that's wrong. Shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, you're not being consistent in the in the goal of worshiping God. Mm-hmm. If you have something else that you're, that you're trying to do, something that makes things disorderly, something that makes distractions, then you're not consistent even in your goal because yeah. now your goal is no longer to worship God. Exactly. Well, I've, so, got, I've got one more thing, but I'm going to let you... Well, I was going to transition us again. Good. <laughs> We've talked about being consistent in the way we treat people, yep. which I think right now that is one of the most important ways we can be consistent, yes. especially in the culture we're in right now. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we spent so long talking about it is because yeah. it's so relevant right it now. It really is. And, and so then from there... Be consistent in our words, be consistent in our worship, but also be consistent in our actions. Mm-hmm. And so we've been in James a lot, but James has a lot of practical wisdom that he yep. takes to the to the church in the first century. And so um, I'm going to take us back there again to <laughs> chapter one. Um, and I'm not going to read it for us again. Um, y'all can read it if you want to. Verses 19 through the end of the chapter through 27. Mm-hmm. But what James is saying is to be consistent in our actions. Yep. Don't just hear the word. Don't just hear a sermon or, or hear a good message, but do, do it, put it into practice. If you hear someone say like Dylan and Chris say, you need to be consistent in the way you treat people. Don't show partiality. Then put it into practice. Don't, don't just hear good things, but do them. Well, not only that, Man, that puts a, a big burden on us too, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to put a burden on us. But <laughs> no, but it, but it does. If if we're willing to say this, then we also have to be willing to do it. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. so the idea of of our actions, right? You know, why why are our actions? Why do they need to be consistent? Well, if you flip back just a page, basically, so okay. James chapter one, back over to Hebrews chapter thirteen. So it might be a page, maybe two pages, but in verse seven and eight. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We as Christians, right, myself and you, Dylan, 
are imitators of Christ. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect at it, right? But we are trying our best. We're doing everything that we can to imitate Christ. And because of that, right, we have to be consistent in what we do because Jesus Christ was consistent in all that he did. Well, absolutely. And, and like you said, our, our goal is to be imitators of him. Um, mm-hmm. A way I like to phrase it is to grow in favor with God. Yes. Um, and, and that's what we read about Jesus as well. I think yeah. it's Luke chapter two, uh, talks about Jesus when he was a boy in the temple. And at the end of that chapter, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Yeah. And that's our goal, isn't it? I mean, just naturally we grow in stature. Mm-hmm. Hopefully naturally we grow in wisdom as we get older. Um, but we also have to work at growing in favor with God. Um, and if we know where God is on a map, and we want to grow in favor with him. We want to get closer to him. We want to become imitators of him, imitators of Christ. Yep. Then we've got to find that point on the map and get closer to it. But if we are just driving past the building and oops, we went too far. And then we try to drive back again and oops, we went too far. That's not being consistent. We're not, we're not shooting towards the goal of God. We're just waving at him as we drive by. Yeah. And we want to take the shortest path there too, yeah. right? You know, we don't want to try and get to God, but take the most roundabout way. Because who knows what's going to happen along the way? Yeah. Might get in a wreck. You know, might God may move, right? God's not going to move, but in this example, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, we we want to take the the fastest route and get as, as close to God as we can. And uh, I I just I think it's I think that's such a good point. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's why consistency is important because, like you said, God's not going to move. Yeah. And so, if we're going to be trying to grow closer to God, we have to be consistent as well because God's not moving, so we need to stop moving. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, once we get to God, we need once to stop get, moving. Yeah, put it in the GPS, right? Yeah. And, and once we get there, just put it in park. And now, I've got w- one more analogy that I think is actually really cool regarding mm-hmm. this discussion. Um, but I think a lot of our culture today, I truly believe this, a lot of our culture today is very similar to our solar system. You know, the sun is at the middle of the solar system. Okay. It's virtually unmoving to my knowledge. I don't know. I'm not like an astrophysicist or anything. (laughs) Um, But what do the planets do? They're just kind of circling. And in the summer, they kind of get closer, but then they swing way out there in the winter. Yeah. Next summer, they get closer and then they swing way out there, you know, and and that's what we call an orbit. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of what our culture does with the S-O-N, not the not the sun that we see in the sky, but yeah. the Jesus Christ, the son of God. Yeah. That's what people have a tendency to do with him. I am down. It's in the winter. I'm far away from Christ. I really need to get back to him. I need to start going to church again. And so you're getting closer in the summer and then, hey, things are great. And all of a sudden, whoo, you're way off there in the winter again. And then when things are bad, you're going to orbit right back around to him. And that's the most disappointing thing that I can see among people today because of this. In Hebrews chapter, uh, let me turn over there. I think it's chapter four. In Hebrews chapter 4, at the end of the chapter, when you, when you read throughout 3, 4, and 5, a lot of Hebrews is talking about your heart, making sure your heart's not hardened, making sure your heart is with God. And it says in verse 11 um, or verse 12 of chapter 4 that the word of, of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, God knows your heart and there's nothing that you can do about that. And so mm-hmm. if you appear during the summer that you're trying to get close to Christ, but your heart knows that you're just going to 
zoom on by and orbit back around whenever you need them again. God knows your heart. Yeah. And so there's, you may be able to, to fool people with your intentions, but God knows your heart and your consistency is yeah. kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, you know, some people's orbit may be different. Maybe summer and winter switched, right? Maybe mm-hmm. fall and spring. But regardless, the point's the same. Yeah. Whenever it is that you're drawing close to God, if you're still falling away from him on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. that needs to be changed. It needs yeah. to be fixed. We've got we've to get as close as we can to God and stay there. Yeah. And keep trying to move closer uh, because that's our goal, right? Not that we've already obtained it, but we press on to the upward call. Christ Jesus, our own. And uh, I, I really think being consistent in everything that we do is is absolutely crucial. Absolutely. Uh, and, and our thoughts and our deeds and our actions, if we're not consistent, then we're very liable to be called hypocrites. Yeah. And, um, and that's not, uh, and, it's not good. And while that's, you know, in the church among Christians, we don't like that. Like, man, why does the world think that we're hypocrites? It, it's, it kind of just like, ah, oh, man, I, I wish that Christianity wasn't viewed that way. Well, that starts with us. Absolutely. That's where each one of us needs to say, all right, well, I'm going to knock it off. I'm going to be straight up. Yep. This is this is my life. I'm seeking out God and nothing else. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the things, you know, why do people view this that way? Why do you, well, when people view Christianity in a certain way, if you are a Christian, then you have the opportunity to change someone's mind about that. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, you're not going to change the world's mind, but you can change one person's mind. Mm-hmm. Might be able to change two, change 10, change a hundred, right? But whoever you change, they now have the opportunity to change someone else's mind. Absolutely. And so it, it really, it really is a matter of us deciding to be consistent. Yep. So, well, did you have anything else, Dylan? No, that was pretty much it, that that last analogy I got. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. We love you all. And please listen to this next little bit so you can figure out how you can help us. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook and share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.